29. Stop. 20. You know I can only count so high. You're messing me up. This is not fair. <laughs> all right. So welcome back, all you fine, fine folks in the listening and viewing audience. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, first I will comment that for once, since we are recording midday on a Sunday, Doc is not intoxicated. She's just mainlining Rippets and Red Bulls. I have dragon brain. Leave me alone. Okay. So uh, did it give you wings? Gave me something. <laughs> All right. So now we have a returning guest because she was so much fun the first time. We have Miss Gemma Clatworthy, Mother of Dragons. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself in case they missed the, the most awesomest uh, interview of a short story we've done? Uh, absolutely. Although your listeners should definitely check out that uh, podcast that we did. Uh, so I am an urban fantasy and children's book author based in the magical county of Wiltshire over here in the UK. And outside of writing, I love crafting and playing board games when I get the time. Uh, I've got a young family, so that doesn't always happen. And if you listen to the last interview, you will hear we, we, we gave her address in relation to London. And, and we won't say any more than that, because if you, you, you haven't listened, you should. In fact, now that we're talking about it, I am going to add that as a hyperlink at the bottom in the show notes. So you can go give that one a listen. It was a lot of fun. And short content is awesome. So you should check it out. Is that an anthology still for sale? It is. It's still going strong. I believe we've got another month or so on that. Uh, and then it's gone forever as ebook. So you should definitely Ooh. get it now. Yeah, I know. No, get it while it's hot. All right. And this will be out before that happens because they haven't announced the DragonCon stuff yet. So we haven't scheduled those interviews. Hopefully that comes this week. I heard rumor it comes this week. That rumor could have been because I was shaking DragonCon overlord i i have heard people that know that they were nominated already so that it is working its way through the grapevine but we're not here to talk about dragon con no. about i need a break as things. much as i love it i need a break and Gemma is well worthy of our focus absolutely so uh last time i spilled the beans uh about Gemma and how i, I met see she's actually a secret agent but because I said that on air, like MI6 and MI12, like they're really mad at us. Even MI Yeah, they stole your tea and crumpets. They did. They took her tea and, I know. tea and crumpets. So what are you going to do? I actually had a funny interaction with that. There's a, um, it's called Tea and Chats. It's a British uh, YouTube channel where they interview uh, war heroes, tea and medals. That's what it is. They interview British war heroes that, that have gotten very high. You're, you're equivalent to like the Medal of Honor, that kind of stuff. And they talked to him about the day they got their award and what makes a person take those risks. And so I asked in the chat what would happen if, if someone ever said, I actually don't like tea, I like coffee. And I'm told that the Department of Tea and Crumpets and Scones would actually hunt them down and kill them. It's, it's sacrilegious. And then the queen will spit on their grave. So can you confirm this? I mean, I can neither confirm nor deny that we have a Department of Tea, Crumpets and Scones and that they may hunt you down. But oh, we take tea very seriously. Okay, okay. I, I know. Oh, my. Fortnum and Mason. My dad may be an American, but he doesn't drink coffee. He drinks Fortnum and Mason Earl Grey. Oh, I love Earl Grey. I've actually, I've got lemon and ginger tea in Ooh, here. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I, love, it up. I love Lady Grey tea in the summer as an iced tea. Oh, yeah, that's It nice. brings out a lot of citrus notes. It's so good. So how do you take your, your tea, uh, Gemma? 
Well, uh, I'm I'm a little eccentric, uh, so I take my tea black. I don't have any milk or any sugar with it. And actually, uh, I'm not a big fan of caffeine, so I, I actually normally drink kind of herbal teas. So I don't know if they might now disown me. I'm very sorry. <laughs> but you still drink tea, and I think that works. And so the yeah. G, if you're, if you're watching the, this on the YouTube and you see her name, the G actually stands for government agent. That's why the G is called. Her <laughs> name is not really Gemma. That is just her alias. But uh, so I actually deployed, when I deployed, we worked with some British guys. In fact, that was, I think it was their 12th armor. Um, I, we traded jackets. So I've got the British tanker coat and they've got, got mine. Uh, they were related to Handley over, over there. So they thought it was cool that the name was on there. So we traded. Um, but they, uh, they did, uh, what was it? He said he did his tea NATO. So cream and two sugars, I think that was, that's okay. how he drank it. He said he drank it the NATO style, which I thought was an interesting, like, I would just call that cream and two sugars, but if you want to give it a nickname, that's cool. See what okay. in, in the U S when you drink coffee black, we call it drinking it properly. My, I my, think now if we drink tea black, I'm happy for it to be called drinking it clapworthy. I'm happy for my name to be used that way. Okay. Absolutely. That's so how it is. So it has written and so shall it be. Uh, the mother of dragons has spoken. Uh, I understand you've got, a, you've got a line to the queen. You just call her up and, and you know, stuff happens. So Yeah, know. well, you know, we're all related to the queen over here. So I believe it. <laughs> You're like the Earl of, of Clatworthy, something, something. I don't know. Have you I love any... you. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't. I have noticed though, just because I read a lot of sci-fi with like space opera. Man, Americans are weirdly obsessed with the royals. And then I, I've talked to several of the British people. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they, they just don't care. So you get American authors, and it's like they, they David Weber even did it. Like it's it's royalty, everything, Duke this, Earl that. I'm like, I, whatever. <laughs> the only Earl I know is the one John Luke drinks. Earl Grey, hot. <laughs> Oh my God, Jr. Save uh, yourself! All right, Doc. No. So we've talked about how I first found her. Were you? Were you? Did working? we? Yeah, she's a secret agent for the government. Okay. But now, now MI twenty seven is coming after her. So, so she might need a new line of work. So let's hope this writing thing really takes off for her. <laughs> but, uh, but how did you find her? Were you, were you working for the government too? No, I know better. Oh, I heard that. You called me up and you're like. I'm obsessed. We need to have her on. You need to be there. You'll love each other. She does. You do this. You, bu, 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 bu. And I'm like, oh no, my no, God, so, JR. Seriously, so, I have not had my you, coffee yet. You spent two years <laughs> as, as the blaster, or when we were sci fi shenanigans, the last two years we went, we need more female authors. You should branch out to fantasy where all the females write. We need to talk to more ladies. This gets really like a sausage festival. I'm like, okay, okay. So now we've got the opportunity. There's like, hundreds of thousands of awesome female authors out there. And so whenever I find them for you, I'm like, we've got to do this. And then you're like, dude, chill out. She's married. What the <laughs> <hell>? <laughs> I do point out this. It's okay. Her husband's actually in my 49. So he probably could shoot me like from the ocean away. It's true. Are you just like the satellites are already trained? You know, I just got to give the signal off camera here. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, is, and my numbers are real, and I'm just not making that up. And someone's like, Shit, he's on to us. <laughs> then they'll they'll listen to the rest of it, and they'll not realize you have no idea what you're doing or something. <laughs> Possibly true. <laughs> All right, Doc. We've got to see if she gets to stay. We mixed it up from her last. Well, we already know she gets to stay since you outed at her uh, mundane job. You know, 
This is yeah. true. This is true. Please but... keep having me back. I can no longer go to work in, you know, a mundane <laughs> world of government agencies. All right. So we get it's to over the religion questions. So okay. So, religion wise, Ready Player One, Attila Battle Angel, or Valeri. What? Alita Battle Angel. Alita. Sorry. I'm dyslexic. I got those back letters backwards. Alita Battle Angel or Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planes. I'm going to go with Ready Player One. Thought it was a really cool concept. Uh, I am going to admit that I have only watched the film rather than read the book, uh, but I really enjoyed it. That so is okay. Those were all themed for both of you ladies because they were also graphic novels. So I thought, you know, based on the earlier conversations with nice. both of you, I'd mix it up. Although Attila Battle Angel, that would be very Mongolian-ish. And I, I might actually read that. That could be interesting. It's good. It's very enjoyable. Yeah. You, you going to write it for us? What? Am I going to what? Are you going to write that for us? Alita Battle Angel is pretty good, but Attila as a Battle oh. Angel. The Hun, no, we, yeah. all know I, we all know I'm not going to write anything. I'm just going to make you do it. Okay, that's how this works. All right, fair enough. Uh -huh. All right, so <laughs> okay. one is a good choice. Besides, we already decided if I do it, I'm writing Louise Hansley. <laughs> it, for, it's a joke. It's a bad joke. Um, <laughs> she, when we met at the what was it the con fantasy fantasy when we met at fantasy everybody she had people convinced that we were going to co-write together but it was going to be um, mature romance and we were going to write it as Louise Hansy not Handley Hansy Hansy as a joke and then people thought she was serious so like I literally hadn't gotten home yet I was still driving home when I'm getting <laughs> all these messages like are you switching to romance why didn't you tell me about this. I know people. I'm like, no, 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 no. It was a joke. It was a joke. I promise. <laughs> I don't understand why they took me serious. <laughs> She's giggling because she says this off the wall stuff and then they all message me. It's hey, kind of I would read Attila the Battle Angel as a romance written by this Louisa Hansy. <laughs> <laughs> I want that book in my we could, life. We could get Attila the Hun, but he could be dressed like he was a female RPG character. So the armor would be. I mean, know. she could be like the new. Um, Chuck, uh, Tyndall. What, what's Chuck his name? Tingle? Chuck Tingle. She could be the new Chuck Tingle. Oh, maybe Gemma is Chuck Tingle. Mm. Gemma's not Chuck Tingle. <laughs> She's too sweet. <laughs> One of these days we're going to find out who it is and it's going to be some little old church lady or like a, a retired nun or something and we're all going to shit ourselves. We're going to be like, what the hell, yo? Chuck has got to watch the old ladies. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm in the south, most definitely. <laughs> All right, we got one okay, more question for now. On to the polytheistic, says we do fantasy also. Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, Journey to the Center of the Earth, or Mortal Engines. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Percy Jackson. Mm -hmm. Love that. Uh, can't wait for my daughter to be old enough to get into the series. I'm really wanting to read those with her. I together. have the collector's box set already. Oh, I'm excited. Have you seen they've done the illustrated ones too now? I think I have seen them. They're beautiful. Yeah, and I keep seeing all these like memes on Facebook as well that just make me very excited. But I'm I'm holding myself back. So I've seen the film, but I, I want to wait to read the books like with my with my little girl. So, so uh, I think that's awesome. Who was your favorite female character in that series? Well, um, 
so again, this is just based on the film. Uh, what is the name of, is it Athena's daughter? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she's like the main one. Um, and I've heard only from the memes I've seen on Facebook again, that she kind of really matures well in that series. So I'm, I'm looking it's forward Annabeth to that. Chase was the character's name. That's it. I Annabeth actually liked her too, because she was smart and sar- snarky. And I, I dig sarcasm <laughs> in any gender. So <laughs> I surround myself with snarky, sarcastic people. I'm very wise like, you are to do so. <laughs> so yeah, did you read any of the, the, the spin-off series that he wrote? Um after he wrote, let's see, he wrote um the Lightning Thief series with the Percy Jackson, but then there was some of the secondary characters that he did. Um Heroes of Olympus, I think. Yeah, again, I've seen it, but I'm I'm holding myself. Oh, his back. his books are awesome. He's even done some, he's done some with where he's partnered with somebody who uh, has a background in India and stuff. He'd have some amazing books, not just in that series. He's a really prolific, awesome reader who doesn't, doesn't baby it down. But it's still written oh. clean enough that kids can read it. I really like that. Yes. I, no, I it is actually the, in the children's section. If you go looking for it, I had the whole box set, but I let a friend borrow it and then said friend got stationed overseas and I never saw the books again. <clears throat> Maybe one day I'll get them back, but I'll probably just have to buy them again. You'll just buy them again, or I'll send them to you. So, where um, obviously here we like both the fantastical fantasies and the scientific, but which was your first love in the genre, sci-fi or fantasy? Uh, definitely fantasy. So I am all about the the magical worlds, getting lost in all of that, and not having to worry too much about how the technology works. Which I think in sci-fi sometimes you can go down a bit of a spiral of, hmm, well, how does that work? Could that actually happen? Does physics exist in this world? Um, so yeah, I, I like not having to worry about that because it's just magic. It's all good. I totally get that one. Um, because I've read some where I'm like, I, I don't want to know how to program. I just want to read a book. Mm. And, um, so what's your first memory of engaging in the spec fic genre? Um, uh, is uh, that gaming, reading? Yeah. So it's definitely reading. Uh, so I've got two. So one is the, um, what are they called? The pick your own adventure books where you mm-hmm. kind of go back and forth and um, we actually found one of the original ones uh, at a charity bookstore this weekend. So we, oh, wow. we bought that for my little girl and we're going to go through it. And I'm still going to stick my fingers in the page. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just make sure you don't lose them for when, you know, you fight an ogre and die. Um, so, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. Is I, that not how everyone reads those books? That's how I wrote them. And then I had little bookmarks that I'd mark various pages. And then at a certain point, you have so many bookmarks trying to cheat that you cheated <laughs> yourself and you can't find out where you were and you just got to start again. They had the Lone Wolf series for like, say it's little boys, but probably girls could read it too. But basically like you're this monk, a warrior monk dude, and you're going through and fighting. And you had to keep a little stat sheet that I had to beg my mom to use her printer that had the dot, was it the dot matrix with the little bot, dots at the end? And all the noise when it printed so i had like the character sheet that i had to fill out it was awesome we were super high tech in the 80s what can i say i think we've got one of those uh those books with the stat sheets in the back so we're gonna have to copy it oh yeah my parents my parents my parents were already gamers so they were like oh it's a stat sheet and then they made me do all the math yeah my, my 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 mom made me do the math too 
but uh, I actually kept all of those for some reason. Um, they survived my childhood when I was like routinely selling books I'd read to buy new books. Those somehow got stuck in a, a footlocker or whatever. They got stuck in the attic. So I know, I know. I tend to be a little bit of a hoarder. My, my uh, wife and mother yelled at me for years about that. Uh, I'm getting better, I promise. If at they're signed books, it's not hoarding. It's collecting. See, well, they're, they're books that are out of print, so that's still collecting. But I didn't still do it collecting. on purpose. But when we were, when my mom was giving me all of my stuff out of the attic back once we got our house, so it can go in my attic, I guess we were going through <laughs> stuff, and uh, and we found all those books. I gave them to my oldest, who still reads them. Like he's read the whole series probably like a dozen times now. Of course, he doesn't cheat. Which what's the fun in that? Like what? Just, I'll just reread it and see what path I can get. No, no, no. You're supposed to cheat. This is this is teaching you how to do that. Which apparently no, you're I... not supposed to stay in front of the preacher. They don't. <laughs> who knew? Wow. I think are, normally it's time. my job to scandalize the preacher. I know I, I, I'm falling down on the job, I guess, uh, or you are actually, I guess, if I'm beating you to it. So, so we talked about this a little bit last time, but you mentioned that your first love was fantasy. How much of that do you think is given that so much of the fantasy genre is heavily influenced probably by Tolkien and also because of your, the European history being what it is. And you're so close to the visual monuments of it in the forms of the castles and the standing stones and stuff. Uh, and you mentioned last time you went to college in Wales. Uh, so how much of your first love being fantasy is affected by just the world around you being so ancient? Uh, I I think it probably does have more of an influence maybe than I thought before you asked me the question. Um, so, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's really great having so much history nearby. And I, I actually studied history at university as well. So the real reason definitely... I liked her. <laughs> I'm a history nerd, too. She yeah. has to stop me from my rants and, and stuff. You are a history nerd. We'll just be nice and call it a nerd. Wait, which era of history? I studied colonial American history. Uh, so I was getting my master's in. Uh, and before that, oh, I did God. ancient and medieval. But you have He's to learn a history slut. Yes, I am. But you have to learn foreign languages to do the ancient and medieval. And I was horrible at languages. I barely managed English. So I know. So, Ancient uh, colonial America meant I didn't have to learn anything other than English. See, that is smart. So I did uh, ancient history. And so, yeah, I did the beginners modules in Latin and ancient Greek for that. And, yeah, uh, I took Latin cool. in high school and I loved it. Uh, wow. my, my teacher actually brought in her history, her college textbook. Bio, and um, so we were doing I was translating poems of Ovid and stuff like that in high school because I'm a dork. I read I mean, it also meant everybody early. left me alone. So I liked that. It's true. This is true. Even so. the teacher. I would just, I'd get my translation assignment done and then I'd open up whatever book I was reading that week. So did you focus on any one region of the globe when you studied your ancient history? Uh, yeah. So mainly Rome uh, and a bit of kind of the Celtic areas. So uh, yeah, Europe, basic, basically. But yeah. You were, and you went to, you did that degree in, in Wales, right? I did at Cardiff. So that makes that makes perfect sense. So can you speak Welsh? Um, I, I like a tiny little bit. I could probably say hello, I'm Gemma, if you would like me to. Sure. <laughs> okay. Damn, you're on the spot. Gemma <laughs> There we go. I know when you see it in writing, like obviously Tolkien made his own language, and some of the Star Trek nerds have made Klingon. I think that's the only two that I know of that are actual functional languages that were made. Oh, Romulan. Romulan. I think it's 
But uh, I know people that cheat and they want foreign sounding words without having to do all that. And I know a lot of them go to Welsh words and they just steal. You're giving away all my secrets. (laughs) (laughs) We'll edit that out. Maybe not. Probably. No, it's cool. I think think the Welsh language likes getting a bit of extra exposure. That's what I tell myself anyway. So, uh, so yes, you may notice some elements of Welsh masquerading as dwarfish in my book. I mean, Anne McCaffrey (laughs) did that same stuff too she in fact her degree was in slavic languages so and so she pulled when you read a bunch of this pern stuff which is sci-fi she <laughs> pulled a bunch of <laughs> from the that background so jr is confused it's kind of cute that he can't tell the difference between sci-fi and fantasy <laughs> i am not weighing in here this feels like a husband wife kind of argument (laughs) it's not an argument i win because Anne told me herself jr loses because well it's jr so before my first deployment i was a triple major in english history and poli sci my history advisor said that wasn't because i was highly motivated it was just a failure to commit on my part but one of the things (laughs) i did learn as an english major is that sometimes the author might say something and think they're writing something, but what comes out is not what they thought it was. And so we, the listening and reading audience, get to determine what a book is, not the person that wrote it. And by that theory, when the author says a cigar is just a cigar, sometimes it can be more because they just didn't know it. It's subconscious. And towards that end, I'm saying it's fantasy because I read the books. So I can say that. You, If you think it's fantasy after reading Dragon's Dawn, then you're wrong. And yes, that is the exact correct book. Well, I'm just saying if there's a dragon involved, it's got to be fantasy. And with that, we will ask Gemma, what is it she loves about speculative fiction as a genre? (laughs) She's just going smooth. Smooth transition. I know. Did you like my sip of tea there? I did. I'm not going to drink my tea and let this blow over. Uh, Right. Sorry. Can you ask me the question again? What is it you love about speculative fiction as a genre? So fantasy and sci-fi writ large. Um, so, so I really love the escapism of it and the openness of it. So I really, really love that absolutely anything can happen. And it quite often does. Uh, so that's what I enjoy about speculative fiction. JR, are you there? you into silence. No, I, I muted myself because I'm such a boomer. So, how do you feel about dragons? Do you think dragons automatically make something fantasy? Um, no, because by that token, <laughs> like, so having aliens could automatically make something sci-fi, I and I, that. I'm not sure that that is true either. What? Did you well, I mean, if you think about the Fae from another plane, yeah, you know, they live in their own little universes that would make them aliens and thus there would be no fantasy so you're wrong jr when you use logic against me it's cheating just so we understand the ground rules. only because you don't understand logic so how did you (laughs) translate and transition into you writing stories in it um well as you may know that i've always loved kind of reading fantasy in particular And I have always liked writing too, but uh, it was last year really when we had the lockdown in the UK and this uh, plague that we are still going through. Um, And I was actually really close to burnout and just needed something to do for myself. 
So I started taking some time away each day just to to write and I really enjoyed it. So I started off with kids books, which were a bit of a catharsis about how lockdown was going for me. (laughs) Uh, So I'll give you the title of my first children's book, which is The Girl Who Lost Her Listening Ears. Uh, which may give you some idea of what was happening. Oh, I understand. <laughs> I, I, I have a fourth grader. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And it's tough when you're homeschooling as well, uh, which, you know, I'm not a teacher. This has cemented my decision not to go into teaching. Lots <laughs> <laughs> um, of those memes. I didn't go into education for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Reasons for like, these are the generation when in 20 years that were uh, educated by day drinkers and... <laughs> Uh, about the parents that scrape their my kid is an honor roll student bumper stickers off like some of the memes when the lockdown first happened. I, I still love the local liquor store that put up a sign. We're now a school supply store. <laughs> that is good. That is good. Yeah, I mean things didn't quite descend into day drinking here, but um, yeah, it was it was tough. And then I moved into uh, writing uh, books that I would like to read, so so urban fantasy, and yeah, that's. That's where we are, writing so my first series. Is urban fantasy what you would read on your own, or are you more broadly read for, for when you read for just enjoyment? Uh, so I, I will pretty much read anything. I, I'm not like a really rigid reader that I will only read a certain genre, but I do love fantasy and urban fantasy books. So they're, they're probably my preferred genre, but I'll also read you know historical books. I'll also read <laughs> biographies of historical uh, characters for fun so yeah, like history books uh so yeah I, I i wouldn't necessarily put myself in a category as a as a reader so many real life author let me start again many authors let their real life experiences influence the stories they tell so were there any specific formidable moments that shape you as a storyteller um, I would say that when her child lost her listening ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my children's books, there's definitely a lot about that. Um, in in urban fantasy, uh, probably not so much direct life experiences, although obviously I my series is set in Cardiff and I did go to university there. Um, and the, the kind of main character in my Rise of Dragons series is influenced a little by a D&D game I played a few years ago. Uh, and the main character in that is loosely based on one of the characters in the D&D game. So that's kind of, there are links there, but I wouldn't say like my characters aren't parents or anything. And, you know, they don't work in an office, which is a big part of my experience. Uh, so, yeah, I need to maybe think how to weave in some more of my life experience into my books, maybe. Okay. Doc, next one's you. So... Um, transitioning kind of to the fan side of the writing equation, uh, have you had anybody uh, ask for your autograph out in public, uh, away from a convention or a book signing? Um, so I, I'm not sure if this counts, but one of my colleagues, uh, so I, I still work as well. I'm not fortunate enough to be doing this full time uh, yet. But uh, yeah, one of my colleagues uh, bought one of my books and, and loved it, I think more than they were expecting to. <laughs> they were like, oh, I'll just buy it to support her because I know her and they, they've really enjoyed it. So they've asked me to uh, sign it when we're next in the office together, which is pretty cool. That's wonderful. Um, I, I had a friend at one point who did that. He wrote horror and he, would go, he finally looked at me and goes, I'm not going to sign the books. I'm not even going to let you buy the books anymore because you're not reading them. I'm like, what? 
stop writing horror. It scares me. In my defense, I was 16 at the time. So. Oh, yeah, that's that's yeah, and I'm like, reading horror. Yeah, and I'm like, mm, I, I have two, I had too active an imagination at that age to deal with it. So, how do you tip? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Go with what you're saying. Oh, I was going to say, to be fair, uh, I think horror is probably the one genre that I don't like actively read in because, you know, the world is scary enough. <laughs> yes. Very much so, especially in these recent times. Have you spotted somebody reading your book out in the wild, maybe? Uh, so I haven't spotted anyone, but uh, occasionally my lovely fans will send me pictures of themselves reading uh, the book on, on Instagram or, or Facebook, which is always really nice to see. And normally they have like a nice uh, glass of wine or, or some alcoholic beverage with it as well, <laughs> which is also really nice that they can enjoy it with their downtime. I'm a big fan of that. Now, you started your writing journey as the lockdown happened, so you haven't really had a chance to go to any of those conventions, have you? No, Not I haven't. Excited? Do they really? I, I. This is going to sound so stupid, and somebody's going to mock me. But do they really do a lot of conventions out in the UK? I don't know. I know Worldcon was in Ireland, but after that, like that's about as much as I know. <laughs> I think there are a few uh, in oh, well London, obviously. <laughs> Um, and my so my other half actually designs board games so he goes to a lot of gaming conventions and I know they have a few of them around so I imagine it's the same for kind of comic cons and things there are some local ones uh, see I love board games I, I have over 60 of them not that anybody will play them with me <laughs> I have we actually have a store that is in the process of opening up it's like board games and something i can't remember what it is but it's literally a restaurant that's this board game themed and all of the tables are going to be like various games going on for people to come in and eat lunch and play board games that They're model really cool. that model works very well we have um gigabytes as our local gaming store and they do that they um even through the pandemic they were able to kind of keep their doors and and things paid because they still had all and in, in through various economic things because they had a full menu there so it works nicely now, but if they, start, if they just get their liquor license and they start serving the hard stuff like you could get some rip-roaring games going on uh that that sounds like craziness um but anyway <laughs> no we have them over here we've got you know board game pubs and board game cafes over here that, that i, I well. never leave so um they'd have everything i needed my board games I'm sure I can get my books and then we're good. Um, so can you give us the highlight reel of what you've written so far? Uh, I can. It's it's very Wonderful. short. So if I stick with the fantasy side of things, uh, so I am currently writing a, a series, Rise of Dragons, urban fantasy. And um, there are two books out so far. There's also a short story in the Summer Solstice Shenanigans Anthology with 24 or 25 other amazing authors. So I'm very happy that I'm included in that mix. And uh, there are four more books to come in that series specifically. Uh, and then I'm, I'm planning out future series at, at the moment. So this is where uh, we have to thank our friend Mel. Mel Todd is the author that set up that interview. Uh, and happens to be Seska's real life best friend. So, yes, I love that. Was, that was fortuitous. They're both in the same anthology together. 
Yes. I, I that when she said that, I'm like, that's why I recognize the name. So Mel yeah. likes your story too. So oh, yay. Well, Mel's story is awesome. So I'm that is high. I love the noodle day story. <laughs> I, I gave her so much shit and I'm like, I want more. She's like, I'll send you another story to edit. No, I want more of this. I also told her I wanted the recipe because I know she makes I know she makes that recipe that she has a cold noodle recipe that I want. Sure. Fair enough. So all of those uh, series sound excellent. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as much as the the other 12 that you've written sound amazing, we want to talk about Awakening, the first book in the Rise of Dragon series. So where did you get the premise for this universe? How did you come up with the idea? Was it psychedelics, uh, Ouija board, overindulging in um, too much tea? <laughs> yeah, definitely too much tea, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Um, so, so as I mentioned, it's, it's a little bit influenced by a, a D and D game I played a few years ago. That was certainly the inspiration for the main character. Um, it was played by one of my friends and, and it was a, a tank barbarian, I think. And then the other, obviously the setting is influenced by where I went to university and then the story itself, I was sort of thinking, well, there are so many books about like elves and, and maybe the, the sexier type of fantasy, um, beings I was like what why not a dwarf or, or a half dwarf which is my main protagonist is a half dwarf I was like you know just someone who's who's ordinary they're living an ordinary life so she's a jeweler she runs a shop that's pretty much all she wants from life she just wants quiet life and then stuff happens to her and she has to make some choices about how she reacts and <laughs> that's the premise of my series <laughs> and if you if you listen, if you haven't, Doc, you really should go back. She tells the story about roundabouts, a roundabout. No, oh, roundabout. <laughs> yeah, yes. So there are um, so there are real world uh, landmarks in my stories, and um, uh, thinking about it, they do often end up getting destroyed. Uh, <laughs> so in uh, in my short story, there is a magic roundabout, which is uh, essentially six roundabouts in one. It's a real thing in Swindon, and that is above a portal to a demon realm. So that ends up getting destroyed. Uh, I think an entire roundabout might be. Uh, yeah, I, well, I lived in Savannah, where they they were definitely things, because <laughs> Savannah's yeah. a planned city, and it's yeah, the the roundabout thing is definitely a thing in Savannah. Well, you should Google this magic roundabout because it is on another level. <laughs> like, if you think there's, you know roundabouts, I sound some, very sad. <laughs> there are some funny videos where there's a there's a in the middle of the roundabout is this little like garden, and there's like a fountain or something, and then people will go too fast, they hit the curb, and they're like going through the fountain because they were speeding when they hit the roundabout. Yeah, I think they've removed that now, probably for, for just that reason. <laughs> so yeah, there's some pretty funny bit. And then to make it worse, they drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> or the correct side of the road. Have you have you That's tried the other way? Uh, I have over in Europe. Uh, okay. But, but to be fair, I'm in, uh, so we can obviously take our cars over there when travel is allowed. So it's probably even worse because you're sitting on the wrong side of the car. Oh, well. yeah. So, yeah. That would be very weird. In America, that would be like being a post office driver, being on the wrong side of the car. Because our, our, our mail trucks <laughs> have the, have it reversed for some reason. But, so that they can get to the post box, the mailbox, JR? Don't you mess with me with that logic of yours. We've, we've uh, outlawed that. Um, <sighs> That's why you're going to start writing fantasy. Because you can't handle the logic. 
sure. So before we dig in, it's magic. It's right. Before we dig into this amazing story, let's talk about this wonderful cover. So can you tell us the story about how uh, you came up with this, this piece of art? Uh, Yes, so this is what happens when you give your uh, cover artist, who I'll do him a name check, so Sanjay, he works with Beehive Illustrations, Uh, so I gave him a a very short character brief, I said uh, it's a curvy half dwarf, she's got a double headed axe, and uh, she's got reddish brown hair, and that is what he came up with. Uh, You have good fashion taste. Yeah. All about that jacket. It's a cool jacket, isn't it? I really want oh, one. But it's nice is because it has that overlay, keeps the cold out. Oh, nice. Practical and stylish. I hate the cold. I'm Southern. Oh, me too. I've got a uh, blanket here, even though it is the middle of summer. Uh, not that you would think it over here. Um, so, yeah, I pretty much gave him kind of full control over how he wanted uh, the cover to look and he gave me some different color choices for the background so that's um, a cityscape of of Cardiff there uh, and it continues on the back cover in the print version as well Uh, the one thing that I sort of insisted on was the pose that she's in so uh, he sent me a couple of other options that were maybe um, I don't really know how to describe it maybe a bit more sexualized or the the typical kind of female protagonist in a bit of a sexy looking over her shoulder kind of pose um and I was just sort of like no that's not really who my character is <laughs> so yeah I like that she looks like she's like what I have an axe would you like yeah. to meet the blade so and I love yeah. have yes. you actually handled like um some of these combat weapons that you're writing about in your fantasy uh, so I have. So I had a few years uh, doing medieval reenactment. Um, so I have wielded a few weapons in my time, not very expertly, I should say, and mostly <laughs> sword or bow uh, and never a double headed axe. But I have uh, I have handled an axe, if that doesn't sound too so weird. <laughs> what, what do you mean by... Um, when you say reenacting, so are you talking like chemo stuff? Are you talking like society of was SCA Society of Creative Anachronisms? Yes. I don't even know if that's a thing over there. It, it is. It is a thing over there. I don't know if it's a thing where she is. I just or, know or are it you is talking just full on LARPing with like foam swords? Like what? What level of uh, reenacting? Um, so it, it's definitely not LARPing. It's more um, kind of social history reenactment. So the group I was part of uh, was. Cardiff Castle Garrison I think they're still around and um, you know if you well if you visit kind of castles and things over here sometimes there will be events on at certain weekends and there will be jousting or there will be groups of people dressed up in traditional uh, historic clothing and doing displays on on weaponry or cooking displays and things like that and I was part of one of those groups. Um, That's fun! Yeah so that was cool that was we did the 14th century. So what kind of person did you uh, impersonate? Uh, so I was probably, I was a nobility, but I was like the lower nobility. So I wasn't in the royal court or anything, but I maybe might have owned a very small, uh, I don't know, fancy house was the type of person I played. So, you, so. You, were you a female character or did you, did you portray a knight? Uh, no, I was a female character, but when uh, we did fighting, um, we did all kind of dress up more in male clothing, unless you were an archer, then you could wear a dress, because the it's quite difficult to fight in a dress on a big battlefield against other people. 
So I think I have the smallest gambeson ever made. I think I still own that. Which is like that was my gambeson. (laughs) The padding. I did Civil War reenacting, and so there were a lot of females that would participate. And when it comes to like the dances, they were all about the hoop skirts and the ball gowns. But when it was the fighting, they were bored sitting around the cook fire, so they would you know just put a little suit on their face and say, "Oh, I'm I'm just a young kid." ignore my small stature i'm still old enough to fight and so it was like you know yeah that, that was pretty much it as well it was like oh no we won't watch the camp we'll we'll come and get involved uh, it's but, yeah. much more fun to hit somebody with a stick than watch them hit with a stick yeah i think archery was probably the most fun because you get to be a bit back and you get to hear the satisfying ping of your <laughs> of your blunted <laughs> arrow uh hitting uh, kind of the metal we had a problem down here at one point with archery in the SEA because of Georgia Tech. Because Georgia Tech's an engineering school. And so they'd make these rules and they're like, okay, it's safe. And then the Georgia Tech would get students would engineer them to being much more painful. And then they're like, okay, we now need to re-examine the rules. Would you guys stop making them hit harder? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just, the trouble with engineering students. <laughs> if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's what they told me in the infantry. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, that was an interesting story of how you uh, you came up with the cover. But if uh, if I don't stop myself, so I want to know the thirty second elevator pitch. Oh uh, yeah. So let me give you the tagline. So when her best friend gets kidnapped by a cult who want to raise a dragon, can Amethyst rescue her, or will it end in fire and blood? Ooh, That's nice. the tagline for Awakening, which is book one. I realize you've got book two up there. I can give you a tagline for that as well, if you would like. This is a, a this isn't the wrong cover. Okay. <laughs> it's not the wrong cover. It's just the cover of book two. And I'm sorry, I prepped for book one. Let me give you the tagline. No, no, no. I, I uploaded. You gave me both, and uh, I put the wrong. No, one it's in. all good. I think this the colors are nicer. Dare doesn't get enough sleep. It's fine. Let me give you the uh, tagline. They have for the book same two. girl on the cover, though. In, in my defense, they do. They do. That's deliberate and also a way to save money. <laughs> All right. So let me get the right cover up there for you. Sometimes you, are... you could tell us the book two tagline while you're while I'm doing that. Yeah, let me do that. Uh, so when she's recruited onto a magical task force, can she survive another encounter with dragons or will it end in ice and blood? Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. I'm actually interested. So is this an audiobook yet? Uh, book one is an audiobook that's just released. Uh, book two, my narrator, I wasn't quick enough to get her, so that's coming probably in October. Okay, but so still, not too long, not too long to wait. Okay, and this is the book one cover, people. So if you notice, it is it's the book one cover. Excuse me, if you notice the difference, it's darker. It's nighttime. So does she have a Welsh accent or a British accent? The character uh so she has a very slight welsh accent okay so i, yeah. I just figured i listened to an audiobook series and it was very funny because all of a sudden i started hearing all of my thoughts with the same accent as the narrator which does not happen very often <laughs> um so yeah. it was like for some reason it's only the scottish accent that seems to worm its way into my brain <laughs> Oh, there was somebody... the southern ones where I just all of a sudden I sound like I stepped out of the bayou and my coworkers look at me and they're like, come again? And I'm like, let's try that again. Somebody took some of the Harry Potter books and then they they wrote it and read it in totally Scottish brogue the whole way through. And I'm told they at least did it through the first book. I'm told it's hilarious. 
And I've never I actually read Harry that. Potter, but I, I might actually listen to that one. Uh, okay, so what is it as we're do we want to discuss this cover also, Rob Jair? Well, she told us the story. I just put the wrong cover up. Yeah. It's, the same, it's the same art. She just changed the background. Yeah, so so all of this series uh, are going to have the same uh, woman on it. So she's the main character, uh, with the exception of one, uh, which I'll go into in a second, but they're going to have different colored backgrounds. And I'm trying to theme the backgrounds to what's going on in the in the book. So this one's Awakening. It's kind of a bit gritty. It's the first one. And then the, the second one uh, is Solstice of Dragons. And uh, everything happens kind of at sunrise on Solstice. So that was the sunrise colors you were seeing there. Awesome. So what is it that you think makes your series very special? I mean, from an American perspective, having it set in Scotland makes it unique, but I stuck at geography too. Don't ask me about where Texas is. So now all the Scots and the Welsh are going to send you hate mail. That's fine. <laughs> it all goes. To, you know I don't get hate mail. It all so goes to mail you. the hate mail to Seska at blastersandbladespodcast.com. We you know, promise we didn't just make that up. It's a real one. Honest. <laughs> if somebody has that email, they are really wondering what the hell I'm doing. Well, if they just invert it, Blades and Blasters is a real like RPG, so that might actually really exist. <laughs> oh we, my goodness, we we're making so somebody's garbage. life very confused. We went through so much garbage to pick a name, and we'd have one, and we, we'd you know shop it with some of our our super fans that like support the podcast, and like, oh, Jr., you can't use that one. That's actually licensed to this company, or so we we it, it was a little bit of a. A process to find a title that both worked for fantasy and sci-fi and wasn't trademarked by someone else so we went with one that if you invert it's a i think it's a rum doc if we if i remember correctly there's a rum in an rpg it was like blades and blasters well i mean there's blades and bow oh that might be a, it so there's an rpg and a, and a bourbon that are named uh -huh. similar to ours so they might actually be getting our hate mail and if so we're, we're sorry not sorry <laughs> we should get a sponsorship deal with them they should come you know, and sponsor we, you we would let them sponsor us because we certainly drink enough <clears throat> I mean and this is within arms reach <laughs> so if you're listening Mr. Bourbon Man hit us up we're cheap but God, you get to ask her the next question so we don't, we don't derail it again I did I asked what is it that makes her series stand out in um in the field of urban fantasy because it's quite a field yeah it is um so obviously it's set in wales so that is a bit of a unique setting um and i think if you like kind of half dwarves magical and mundane beings in a modern setting with some irreverent humor and lots of sarcasm then you'll cool. enjoy my series i mean i really like that she's not human because that's very common and not a fae not no 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 dissing on the Fae and the Elves, but it's nice that it's somebody else. Yeah, that's what I was going for. It's like, <laughs> I didn't want it to be the the more traditional <laughs> urban fantasy uh, main characters and, and, you know, all the tropes with that. So, yeah. You no, know, You know what? I'm better than the BBC. So there. <laughs> Did you hear about that? Controversial. What happened with the BBC? I mean, which oh, time? Apparently they called a a Gundam, like in Japan, they have these huge Gundams. Yeah, I've seen it. It's amazing. And they called one of them a Transformer. <gasps> wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah, the nerve of And them. then they, when they were trying I'll get to on apologize, the phone to them they right were away. Like, so which one would beat which? And they're like, oh my God, just stop. <laughs> no. So at least yeah, I'm they... better than the BBC. I'm sorry that I suck at European geography, particularly UK geography. <laughs> I'm not even going to try and make a joke about it. I'm just going to so, say I suck so at it. The United Kingdom has the Department of Tea, Scones, and um, all of that. But. I hear in Japan they actually have a, a mech department that will probably hunt them down to crush their house. Uh, in Japan, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. I mean, they're they building their mech very seriously. They do. They do. Have you seen that mech? It's amazing. We When it we is. went to Japan, we, we took a special trip out to see I it. I have only so cool. seen pictures. So uh, I'll have to dig this out of the archive, that. but... They were trying to build a proof of concept in Japan for one of their mechs to prove that it could be done. Now, it still has to be tethered to a long electrical cable because robots are uh, batteries aren't that good. But in order to scale it down for proof of concept, they ended up with a toddler mech. So then the guy got in. He got in a full-size one, and his toddler got a four-year-old. I guess that's technically not a toddler, is it? I don't know. Um, but him and his four-year-old were doing karate katas in their robots. And I remember our last co-host, awesome. his Winder, his mind like exploded the idea of a toddler mech and how how many horrible ways that could go wrong. And for the life of me, like I've been dying to find a way to put that in a book somewhere, like just this toddler mech and the kid. Like, because I mean, you've got kids, you know, this could go horribly yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. No. hopefully without injuring the child. But yes, if it was kind of humorous going wrong, destroying a kitchen or something, I would be yeah, all for so that. I just, I, there's a video, it's floating around YouTube. I, I haven't been able to find it in a while, but it used to be there where it shows this this like four-year-old doing karate moves in a mech suit sized for a four-year-old. Awesome. Which is awesome. Doc, save us some ourselves and ask her question 18. <laughs> Which fantasy tropes do you think Awakening really hits best? Um... I don't really know which tropes it hits, but I'll uh, a piece of fan feedback that I've had, which I really, really uh, liked, is that it reads like a cult classic B movie, which was exactly what I was going for when I wrote it, because <laughs> I love those kind of cheesy, um, no, they're great cult classic things. Well, I know they're great, but you know, there's a reason they're not like the A movies. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I quite often love them more, but because they don't yeah. take themselves too seriously. Exactly. Well, I grew so, up with those being family movies. Night of the Comet was like, I can't tell you how many times I watched that one. I mean, how many movies out there were, it was the Nazis and the werewolves and the werewolves were like created by the, the Third Reich and you got the, the British and American GIs that would just go to town like shooting up some werewolves and stuff. I mean, those are some of the best 80s horror movies ever. <laughs> You've seen Dog Soldiers then? I, I have. It's an amazing <laughs> movie. They should have made the fourth one. They should have made more. It was good. <laughs> The cliffhanger oh at the end, perfect. <laughs> so JR loves to ask this one, which is what subgenres or genres do you feel, other than obviously it's urban fantasy, that this really fits into best? Yeah, and that's really tough because Amazon has a lot of categories and a, a lot of odd categories as well. So so definitely urban fantasy, uh, probably contemporary fantasy. I think those are the two that it's highest in in the um, Amazon categories. Uh, for some reason, book two has been put in a wizards and witches paranormal romance 
uh, category, which I need to get changed. I must have been a keyword that I typed in. So I'm like, there's, I mean, there's magic, but there's, you're going to be disappointed if there's, if you're expecting paranormal romance. So some of that is actually, so this is a dirty little secret. Some of those categories are added automatically. If you get enough crossover between your audience and say like Ooh. a Harry Potter audience, they automatically, their algorithm will say, oh, it must be in this category too. And right. we'll add it because what they're trying to match is readers that buy your book that also buy other books. That means that when they want to sell it, the readers that haven't bought your books that bought the other book, you know, in this case, we'll, we'll say yeah. Harry Potter for whatever, then they're going to pitch your book to them too. So it's the algorithm yeah. thinking, this is how Skynet awakens. Wow. Well, maybe that's it then. Maybe it's uh, people who read that witches and wizards paranormal romance will love this book. I'm I'll pretty take sure it. Skynet's going to come for the sci-fi and fantasy authors first. Probably, probably, because we're on to them. Um, and but, to get uh, the ideas. Yeah. So they got to stop us from finding out how to beat them. It will happen, though. You uh, won't. Not you, you there. No, I'm not computer savvy enough. I just fake it. Like, my dilithium crystals, when I invert the, pol invert the polarity magnet, like, it totally just stop. Just it will start stop. going at work. Stop. <laughs> Stop. All Slow right, back right. from warp speed 10 there. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, my goodness. I'm just waiting for him to start talking about Daleks, which he has no idea about either. I heard that episode. I want to, you know, as officially a British author, <laughs> it is pronounced Dalek. It is not Daleks. Dalek. Even I'm getting it pronounced decently, Roger. <laughs> that is good to know. Uh, so the most unscary anim uh, enemy in sci-fi is pronounced Daleks. I got it. Are you a Who fan? Are you a Whovian? Uh, I'm probably not like a diehard Whovian, but I definitely, uh, my dad got me into the, uh, the uh, what they call it. I think the, it's like, just part of the British cultural psyche at this point. I think everyone knows like what Doctor Who is. We've all watched a few. We probably all have a favorite Doctor as well. So... I have been told by a British tenant. person you're not allowed to be British without having a favorite doctor, but it was Dragon Con, so they could be wrong. So it's like the Queen, Churchill, Castle, Doctor Who. It's all part of their, in there somewhere. I, I mean, I think so. Tea no, as well. You left Lord like, of the Rings out. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. So... I want to really tell you like a lie, like we're taught about all this stuff at school, and it's we take tests on it, but we don't. I'm sure somebody takes tests on Lord of the Rings, though. Um, well, maybe if you do like English, but it's probably not on the citizenship test. <laughs> Wait, it's not. They I don't know. Them? I don't well, know. We're gonna have to call them and see. We'll, we'll get the uh, the British citizenship people on, and we'll be like, "Look, if this isn't on your test, it should be." But uh, let's let's get onto the story itself. <laughs> Surprisingly, I told you you'd get along with her doc. We're an hour in, and now we're finally gonna talk talk about her main character. It's okay. We're, we're thing you have no life, JR. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the story itself. Uh, why don't you tell us? I mean, you mentioned a little bit about the main character, but is there anything you want to add? What what makes them stand out in the crowded field of science fiction and fantasy? Uh, well, I think the fact that she doesn't she doesn't really want to be a main character. Like, I think if she asked her, she wouldn't really put herself as a main character. So she's perfectly happy with her quiet life. She's got her own view of success, which is running her jewelry shop, which, you know, she's finally got in Cardiff, in the arcade, where she wants it, where these other little boutique shops are. Um, and she's just happy. And then her best friend gets kidnapped. 
and it's not something she really wants to solve but you know she's loyal and she's got to make some choices and suddenly she's in a world where dragons might exist and she's got to find out how to stop them and yeah it's uh it, I just like seeing characters kind of grow rather than starting out with loads of you know magic and being able to do everything so um I mean she can do a bit of magic but it's mainly linked to her yeah, jewelry business entire, I think it's called cultivation or something or basing there's an entire subgenre of fantasy now on it character growth okay based so you on prefer... your character doing that so I, don't know. Prefer... I don't pay attention to these things but they made me learn about them so you prefer like characters starting at level one instead of being a badass from the start, basically. I mean, I think so. I mean, sometimes it's nice to read about characters that are, you know, are really awesome, but I think it gives them somewhere to go and, you know, you can follow the journey with them rather than starting in at, you know, they're, they're the, awesome and they're going to. That's the equivalent of the starting the military sci-fi series at boot camp, So that way they can progress through the ranks. Even if you know, they're going to be the grand admiral at the end, because, you know, if you start them at the Admiral, like, how much action are they really seeing? You know, so yeah. I, I get that. You got you to gotta work yeah. your way up to it. So, I mean, I don't know if she's ever going to be like an Admiral. I don't want to, you know, say that she's going to be this really awesome kick-ass character who can do everything by the end of book six. But she's going to develop. But, yeah, I just, everyone's always ends up being the Admiral and stuff. And <laughs> Is there even a fleet for her to be the Admiral in? Well, not in this Fleet of world. dragons, maybe? Fleet of dragons. I'm rewriting book six as we speak. <laughs> fleet of dragons. Fleet of dragons. Wait, what's a family of dragons called? Could it be a fleet? Can we make that a thing? I don't know. I would call it a magnificence, I think, is my collective noun for dragons. Doc, I've just made that up. Yeah, I, I, I think I it like depends it. on what world you're in. If you're in Pern, it's a wing, and they live in a weir. There's a weir of dragons, which is a community. I think it depends on what world you're in and if it's sci-fi versus fantasy. We've established this. Dragons make it fantasy. <clears throat> but anyway. We've established you don't know science. This is true also. There's a reason I write military sci-fi. I just, everything goes pew, pew, boom, boom. We're good. Um, just stay out of the boom, boom room. But were there any secondary characters that were especially memorable? <laughs> I broke her brain. Were there any secondary characters that were especially especially memorable in the series and specifically in Awakening? Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll stick with uh, book one. Um, so there's her kind of nerdy best friend, Allura, who is a gnome. Um, and she doesn't have any magic, but she's uh, she studies ancient languages and draconic and things. So I kind of like her because she, you know, she's just a bit nerdy and, and it's nice to have a, a story where your skills in ancient languages are useful. So I've given her a little <laughs> bit of that. Um, uh, but my narrator really loves uh, the professor of draconic studies at Cardiff University, who's an elf and he's called Elrond, which is a common elvish name. You might not know that, but you know, Tolkien didn't just make it up. It's a common elvish name. <laughs> so I Normally, Doc is the one who remembers to ask this, but I know so it's fun making you work. Some fantasy worlds, and specifically urban fantasy, the magic is hidden and everything happens in the shadows. And some worlds, the the fantasy side is out and proud. So, what uh, in your world? So, in my world, uh, everyone knows that magic exists, but there's a bit of tension between kind of magical beings and mundane people so people without magic uh so there's a little bit of tension there but it's it's not really 
hidden, but there's definitely like there's a, a office, a government department called the Magical Liaison Office who kind of have to deal with trying to de-escalate that tension. And and if there are major magical events like the destruction of major landmarks, they get called in and, you know, they typically have some cover stories like it was a gas leak or a, a bomb scare, things like that to, to just Swamp try gas. and de-escalate those tensions. We learned it's that always a gas black. leak. It's always a gas leak, specifically swamp glass in uh, Men in Black. <laughs> so do they even have swamps in England? I don't know. I, I don't think we do. I don't think it's tropical enough to have swamps. You have bogs. We'll call it a bog leak. I don't know. <laughs> do they even leak? I don't know. Whatever. We'll go with it. I'm do you know that bog is UK slang for a toilet as well? Do you know I that? did not. <laughs> so I'm not going to be adopting the term bog leak anytime soon <laughs> over here. <laughs> So we need the metrics on our audience, and I think we have maybe like 12 listeners that are from the UK, but all 12 of them are now sending me hate now. I can tell. <laughs> and this is why we're not popular in England. All right. So speaking of characters, you've done a lot of horrible things to both the secondary NPC-type characters in your cities and to your main characters. So if they met you in a dark alley, um, how do you see that playing out? Would your time as a historical reenactor save you, or are you going to get your butt kicked? I mean, all my characters are, are probably um, able to kick my ass with possible exception of Allura, who I just mentioned, who, who just studies ancient languages. Um, so I, I might be able to, maybe able to take her. But my, yeah, I don't really have a lot of fist fighting experience. Um, but I, I don't know how annoyed they'd be with me because like stuff happens to them, but I'm... I'm not a big fan of like a really hideous ending uh, without giving too much away. So, and I think by the end of book six, like at the end of the series, there's going to be a lot of good stuff that will have happened as well as the tough times. So normally I remember to do this in order, but I was laughing so hard. So I'm going to blame Doc. I don't know why it's her fault, but it is. We're just going to go with it. But uh, does your story have any bad guys that the main character has to confront or is it just more the, the world itself that's the bad guy? Obviously no spoilers uh yeah so there's um so the leader of the cult is a bit of an ass not gonna lie um he's <laughs> he so i'm not gonna say any more about him uh but also there's an elf um who's involved in the kidnapping of uh amethyst's best friend uh and it turns out that she's in this cult and she is actually uh the the lead male character's uh best friend so and she's going to be coming back in later books. So yeah, she's um, she's a well, she's a bit of a bad guy in book one, for sure. Okay, and since we've talked about the characters, the good guys, the bad guys, and everything in between, um, do you have a favorite character archetype when you're writing? Um, well, I think I've already spoken about. I like the the progression, and and going on that journey with characters, uh, but. You know, I also there are like some other secondary characters who pop up who pop up just because I think they're fun. Um, so I'm trying to think there's there's like a kobold in book two who's a bit of a what well, thinks they're like a badass um, and they kind of pop up and <laughs> and just have a little scene. So, yeah, there's there's some things like that. Kobold's a dragon, right? Well, yeah, I mean, dragons, obviously, I thought that went without saying. No, I, I'm just not as nerdy as Doc, so I don't have all the like the D and D lore memorized. I'm still learning. Yeah, well, definitely dragons, but they're in my books. They're not well. They are characters, but they, they, I don't know how to describe it. 
they they don't like have thoughts you can give them a point of view in my book they're, i guess they're more beasts certainly in book one anyway do they do they hoard gold um they haven't yet they take over a stadium in in cardiff like that becomes their nest so well that makes sense it's for for poor football fans i I tried not to say soccer really hard for you i was stumbling but but we were trying to be culturally sensitive uh, do do any of the the football hooligans get uh, get eaten then um no they don't take it over on a match day uh but you know there's some there's some repercussions in in book two so the football fans and and people who enjoy concerts and stuff there and the rugby fans aren't very happy that there's dragons in in their stadium i don't know i think a rugby player could take a dragon you think okay i think i mean you put those all blacks against the dragon i'm putting my money on the all blacks i'm just saying you put money on the All Blacks against a fire-breathing, massive I mean, dragon. They'd probably like scare it with their haka. Yeah, yeah, they'd, they'd probably scare it with their haka. It'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> JR is very weird. Are you are you having any plans of having them like attack the the stadium when they're having having a footy match? <laughs> I mean, they might do now. This is all good. Book six is getting completely rewritten. There's now a fleet of dragons. There's attacks on football, or maybe a rugby match. It's all going to happen. You should have an American tourist there calling it soccer and getting eaten. <laughs> Named JR. Yeah, yeah. You know, JR really likes to be killed. It makes him very happy. I, I want to be the Joe Buckley of my generation. What can I say? Do- I'll do it. You're on. Thank you. <laughs> this is why we love you. You're awesome. All right. Doc, question 25. Save me from myself. There is no saving from you. Um, I've been trying. I rolled so, a natural one on my saving throw. What can I say? Looking into how the sausage was made for this, were there any cool scenes or ideas that you had that you cut from the final book that you think you're going to use someday? Uh, well, everything that I write, I actually save down. And then at the end of uh, you know the book that I'm writing, I'll cut and paste that into the back of the, the following book. So mostly it hasn't been whole scenes, but there have been some like maybe some funny snippets from bus conversations or or some stories I've heard that I want to weave in somewhere, but they just didn't quite fit in book one or two. So I've like saved them and then I'm seeing how how they could fit in uh, some of the later books. So, yeah, no, no full scenes, although obviously now football match. (laughs) <laughs> JR getting eaten. That's that's going in. <laughs> Are we getting your idea for the spinoff series? Because you know, more drag. Oh, you want to be in a spinoff series yeah, with I mean, you like, as the main character? Guys. This oh, is getting funny. big. <laughs> just just have me eaten in all of the series. It's cool. I'm I'm down. <laughs> so, all right, all right. That's a Carrie Mixon typically writes them into stories and kills them. It's kind of fun. Yeah, he had me killed by a twelve-year-old girl when she had her first um, lady time because she was mad. So she killed me with a garden tool. You know, gruesome. Well, I it's like he knows me or something. A homicide at that time is very understandable from a female perspective. Okay. Um. <laughs> I'm touching that one with a ten-foot pole. We're going to move right on. And you so can ask you, about the universe. You've told us a bit about the universe. Um, and. That, you know, the world is often almost as much of a character in and of itself. So can you give us a hint about what to expect, like, with this universe? I mean, was 
Ma is magic new? Has it been always out and in the open? Um, uh, yeah, so so it's always been around in in this universe. Uh, it's just kind of, uh, as I say, accepted and tolerated, but not really, um, I guess, enjoyed. There's a bit of tension there. Um, and so whilst there are a lot of places that actually exist, like Cardiff, um, and in, in book two, they go to Stonehenge and, and Avebury as well to see some stone circles. Um, there are also some made up places as well. So there's the the elvish city um, of Braconia, which is in like a big nature reserve for magical creatures. Um, so I've yeah, I've had to make up some some places as well, uh, just because you know, so they, it fit a bit more. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think it adds some character and I've tried to use some place names and like street names, uh, where they live and like the arcade that, that the main character's shop is in is a real arcade. So, so if so, people want to, they could go and visit those places and, and maybe I'll do a, a Google map of it. People should like take their book and, and go, look, I'm I there. would love that. I would, I would love that so, so much. So clear this up for me. When you say arcade, you mean where they go, they put a quarter in the slot and they play video games like that arcade, right? I do uh, not. No. So are. I mean a shopping arcade. So You're such uh, a boy. Term before. They're, uh, really? So there really? are quite a few in Cardiff and they're like covered. Um, I don't know how to describe it. They're like covered walkways, like little streets. And they have normally quite boutique independent shops in. Um and yeah, you just kind of walk through. So they're they're not like malls; they're not big uh, shopping centers, but they're little shopping arcades. Apparently, I am uncultured swine, and it is okay. Yes, <laughs> not about. I am going to have you saying a lot of American stuff about how quaint everything is in my book. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Awakening is clearly part of the series. I know because you've said so, and we accidentally showed the second book cover. There are currently three books out in this series. So, and you mentioned six, uh, when those six books are done, will there be more in this universe or are you going to move on to something else? Uh, I think I want to stay in the same kind of universe, but a different set of characters and different uh, series, if that makes sense. So maybe a bit less of a focus on dragons, uh, but I'm sort of thinking uh, maybe something with like a coven of, of witches, which might be a bit Agatha Christie meets Bewitch type thing. So maybe they have to solve some mysteries um, or, or maybe something more corporate, like a corporation run by vampires and there's someone on a grad scheme just leaning into that side of my experience. Maybe I'm still planning. So with it comes to technology, um, is it modern technology and then some, or did you take it to sci-fi levels for tech? It's definitely not sci-fi levels for tech. So it's modern technology. So people have smartphones and things. And there's uh, so there's one character who turns up in in book two uh, and in the the short story I've done, who kind of merges magic and tech a bit to create some new things. So like he's created a, a ground penetrating radar that can sense magic, for example. So um, yeah, so there's a little bit of merging, but it's certainly not anywhere near sci-fi levels and there are no spaceships or anything in there yet so for the magic side of things what kind of magic can we expect from these books uh so in terms of my main character her magic is very much focused on things that can help her in her jewelry business so she can enchant things um 
she has a key that can open uh and lock kind of anything um well almost anything um and in book two we find out a bit about portal magic so that definitely exists uh and the main male character in it has really good healing magic so he's an elf um so there's lots of different strands in there okay that sounds interesting all right doc unmute yourself i didn't unmute myself but i was i thought i was gonna sneeze so i was trying to not sneeze so of all the magic that you've invented for your universe which one is the one you'd want to use for daily use I mean, I think portal magic, it's got to be, hasn't it? Like, can you imagine you could just, like, it, go it's very where you teleportation, want to? So I get it. Yeah, but not quite teleportation because I don't want to, like, break down any molecules of myself. This is just, yeah. like, stepping through and you're there. So how would you abuse it? Uh, I, I would go on holiday to lots of really cool places <laughs> without... <laughs> like hours and hours of journey time to get there that would so be amazing with kids young kids that no bathroom breaks heck yeah that's awesome yeah so do you do you call it going on holiday instead of going on vacation <laughs> i do <laughs> I call is that, it going is that on like holiday. a normal british thing i'm just i'm learning i'm learning yeah i think it is i think i don't think it's vacation i think it's holiday over here <laughs> I'm writing a, a book that has one of my main characters is Australian. So I, I used Google because, you know, Google never lies, right? To yeah. get my Australian slang. And I sent it to some Australian friends and they're like, what the? And then there was some, <laughs> some vulgarity as only Australians could do. And apparently Google lies. I'm just throwing that out there. So what? I'm learning. I'm learning. Oh, this is news to me. What? <laughs> I know. It's on the internet. It's supposed to be true. Oh, JR. Sweet, <laughs> sweet summer child. Uh, I like portal fantasy. That's kind of cool. Do you do you get fireballs in there? Anybody can shoot fire. That sounds cool too. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some. Well, there's certainly some like magic bolts and things, which are a bit like fireballs, I guess, and it's in there destructive. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some of that going on. Okay, cool. All right, so <laughs> I'm paying attention. Does. Jared loves for me to ask that. We know you have fantastical creatures, but do you have any aliens? I don't have aliens, uh, but I I did want to say that um, as well as kind of shifters and elves and dwarfs and things, um, there are a couple more unusual creatures. So Ooh, uh, yeah, so I have created uh, these uh, giant spider-like creatures with ten legs. They're about the size of a horse, uh, called tarfangulas or Tafangtulas, which I know is not massively original, um, but I kind of, uh, yeah, they there's something that's in there and they're pretty horrible. So how did you go about creating those? Were they inspired by nightmares? Uh, too many children's books? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not children's books. I so wonder were... what I'm reading to my child. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was about to say that, but you beat me to it, Dot. So. <laughs> Um, so those spider creatures came from, I was kind of thinking, oh, it'd be cool if she fought giant spiders, but I kind of want to make them scarier. What's scarier than a giant spider? Oh, a spider with more legs and massive teeth and these horrible, like purpley eyes. Um, and they have claws on their legs. So it's kind of, it all goes on with that. So yeah, they're probably the most disgusting creatures in my books. Did you have a hard time sleeping after writing them? 
<laughs> do you know what? I was riding them and my husband was laughing at me because I was on the sofa next to him and I'd just be like, okay, I've got to stop there. But that means I have to come back to this scene tomorrow and I really don't want to do that. So I've got to just like power through <laughs> and destroy these things now. Um, and then I don't have to deal with them tomorrow. <laughs> I have a friend who wrote horror one time and he went, I scared myself. I couldn't sleep. And I did it to myself. Wow. <laughs> you are your own worst enemy. <laughs> are your spiders from Nopistan? Nopistan? Uh, I'm sorry. I need that reference explained. I'm sorry. Like like Nope in Afghanistan or the stand where all the, the okay. un- uncomfortable places to go. So Nopistan, where all the spiders are from. And snakes. Snakes are from Nopistan too. But nope, yes. not going there. No, I got you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear you properly and I thought it was a real place. Nope. They oh, are definitely no. from Nopistan. They are, yeah. I would I, not I want to encounter somebody them. Somebody got upset online one time and they went, we had to go, it's, it's not a real place. Like Krasin, uh, Krasinovia is not a real place. Okay. <laughs> so the U.S. government has made up um, like at least 10 fictional countries that we wage war in that sort of are unofficial stand-ins for places we might go to war with. But uh, if you ask the government, they're just made up countries so we could practice war games. And uh, Krasinovia is an evil place where all the bad people are. And we fought them many times. I've lost I actually. There's actually an author we know who got banned off of Facebook for making disparaging comments about this country. <laughs> about this fictional country. So I, I have some friends that were so mistreated by the Krasnovians that they were killed, brought back to life, and killed a dozen more times. It was horrific. Ouch. Lest, lest we forget. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where the, the joke, uh, I have a bumper sticker on my car that says Atropia veteran because it's another one of those fictional countries. That uh, that we we invaded uh, uh, what is it Denovia with I think it's been a while but yeah I have a, a Tropia veteran sticker on my car and people were like thank you I didn't know about that war and I'm like we we've, we've been there many times it's, it's ugly and I'll just go with it and then you can always tell the veterans in the crowd because they're all like trying not to snicker yeah it's, fun. it's glorious what, what I love is like America has imaginary places that they've invaded like. They they can make do with just you know the actual countries. They were like, no. Well, gonna- to be honest, I think some of it stems from the fact that when we're doing some of these, we don't we have our army is very representational of the population statistically wise because so we have people from all different areas, and we don't want to get out and say, hey, look, we're going to the national training center, practicing this war game against enlist a real country and then end up offending one of our own soldiers, you know? So, cause we are ultimately a nation of immigrants. So <laughs> I mean, we have people who are here first and, and I respect that, but we have a lot of immigrants and we always will. Um, so we try not to, we try, we're very good at putting our foot in our mouths, but we try to recognize not to do it. Yeah, like when we invaded Canada, they got really upset. They wouldn't sell us maple syrup anymore. It was, it was, well, you know, Burnham and Mason didn't sell tea to the United States for over a hundred years after the, after the first time. I, know. I mean, there are consequences, guys. <laughs> Don't go dumping your tea into the harbor. They'll stop selling it to you. So, so my first series, we, we, this is I signed the contract with Tim Taylor, who's a, a British publisher. Before DocuSign was a thing back in 2015, we signed the contract. The first book came out in 2016. And so he's in it right. It was it was right after the Fourth of July weekend. So he sent me 
happy National Trees and Day, you colonial tea. And it was an insult and vulgarity. And, and you can figure out what that word was because we don't want to lose our family friendly rating. And so <laughs> after he sent that, we got word that uh, whatever shipping company, we'll say FedEx for because I can't remember, but whatever company it was, they lost the, the contract that we mailed them. So we had to re-sign it and send them another one. And so in, in doing that now, because it's their mistake, they're like, just, you know, we, we won't worry about the weight. Just just get us your contract. So I included a nice little card thanking him for the contract in a tea bag. And I said, was uh, at the harbor on the 4th, found this, thought you might want it back, signed an American. <laughs> so so even now, the memes from that are, are glorious. Yeah, I've seen a few of those. Like, it's not treason if you win and stuff like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, see, we can laugh at ourselves, so it's all good. All right, Doc, your last favorite question you got to ask. Uh, which, 32. Thir I did ask 32. She told us one of them, but there were more creatures, so I thought maybe. Oh, oh do you want some more creatures? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so, so like um, it's fun. So there are manticores. They turn up in one of the books, not in book one. Uh, and I can't remember whether it's book two or book three, but um, Griffigians turn up as well. I may be pronouncing that wrong, even though it's a word I've made up, Griffigians, um, <laughs> which are like little pigeon-sized griffins, and they, they carry messages for the Elvish court. Um, <laughs> are they cuddly? Because that sounds cuddly. Um, I mean, you might think they're cuddly, but I, I wouldn't cuddle them. They're like little griffins. <laughs> They've got little the yeah, lion tiny, feet. So, like, you know, well, we need to educate. I mean, have you seen a pigeon? Like a pigeon still. I wouldn't want to be in a room with a pigeon if it was flying around. Like, yeah, but pigeons aren't scary. They're, well, they're, no, but imagine like a griffin like flying around. Anyway, they're messengers, so they're not like bad, like evil. They won't try and necessarily attack you. But yeah, that's the. That's a little creature. Okay. Well, clearly this interview is winding down. Um, and if I keep going, I've got a, a starving kid waiting who I promised ice cream. Uh, so we do Ooh. have to wrap this up. Yeah, I bribed well. Uh, yeah. So was there anything about awakening? I their pay. <laughs> well, that means you got to give them the money first. So uh, was there anything about awakening Rise of the Dragons book one that we didn't ask that you want to tell us before we move on? Um, no, I think we covered pretty much everything. Okay, and uh, we'll definitely have to have you back because you're a lot of fun. We'll find panel ideas in fireside chats for you. Uh, so you awesome. and, and Seska can resume mocking me relentlessly because that's just how we roll up in here. It is the national, pa it's an international pastime now. I was told that was the only way I was allowed on the podcast. Like, Doc. What? I didn't have anything <laughs> to do with it. First. Pretty... All right, so Gemma. I think your uh, grandpa Walt just told her. Probably, probably. So um, before we let you go, can you tell listeners how they can find you? And as usual, dear listeners and viewers, the links will be in the contacts, in the show notes. Uh, yeah, awesome. So I have a website, www.jemma, that's spelled with a G, clatworthy.com. Uh, so you can find my newsletter there. You can get a free prequel, prequel to the Rise of Dragons series um, by joining the newsletter. Or you can find me on Instagram, uh, look under Gemma Clatworthy, or on Facebook, again, Gemma Clatworthy. It's a pretty unique name. So I, I, I feel like you're going to find me <laughs> if you want to. And do it. Say hi. 
Outstanding. And you can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tack and tack blades. Anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. We're on Twitter at SF underscore fantasy underscore show. Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. The Blasters and Blades podcast at gmail.com. We promise we answer even the people that sent me hate mail. And I'm sorry, Elvis Barks, but that's what dogs do. Get over it. All right. We have a Facebook. Yeah, I got hate mail about my dog. Uh, I hope they were trolling. I don't know. But I was. Wait, I did have somebody tell me they take a drink every time they hear your dog. Ooh, they're poor liver. Are they alive? <laughs> have we sent a, like a health and welfare check on them? No, that's too much work. All right. And we have a Facebook group, Blasters and Blades Facebook group. It's facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley for a one-time donation. Be sure to put in the comment section that it is for the podcast. I promise I will keep Nick Garber and Doc Seska, my intrepid co-hosts, duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never surrender. Right, because nobody likes a quitter. Or <laughs> you could support us on a more reoccurring basis over on anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades for as little as 99 cents a month. You can help keep the lights on. My turn? Yeah. That was I mean, so you mocking me for a few more minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mock you all day, every day. You know I love you. thank you for spending some of your precious time with us for the overworked nick carver and me um we'll call him bunt of all jokes jr (laughs) i'm suska this was the blasters and blades podcast we'll be back next week at the same time we'll indulge our love of picking on jr nerd culture cheesy jokes sci-fi fantasy and all things that go boom (laughs) All right. And I forgot to say this earlier, so I'm going to throw this at the end and Doc can laugh at me later. But I promise you Nick Garber is still alive. We will have proof of a life for him. Uh, He he and I will be doing some uh, interviews, just us, because his schedule doesn't align right now with Doc's, but we don't want you to forget he exists. He is, I promise you, still out drawing the best cartoon, comic book, graphic novels, all the pictures. I get them all mixed up. He's probably going to hunt me down and kill me now. But we will have him (laughs) on for some solo episodes with with him and I. We might do some movie reviews, comic books, just act stupid. I don't know, but we'll do all the things. All All the things. All the things. And on that note, we have the awkward pause while I hit the.